Holy Week had begun on Sunday, what was scheduled from before the foundation of the world. Jesus being presented unmistakably as Messiah and the King of Israel. And all who had just witnessed the spectacle were aware that Jesus of Nazareth, by his actions, by riding in on the foal of a donkey, was claiming this, behold your king, behold your king. And the monstrous crowd didn't miss it. Luke wrote for us, he said that as Jesus headed down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. But the kind of king that most people want doesn't include being gentle and meek. They don't want a lowly king. They don't want one that puts the others, other people's needs before his own or even before himself. Quoting Jesus, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And many see this type of person, many see this type of king as a waste. They want nothing to do with it. They don't want, they don't want someone who thinks that way. Fast forward five days. The religious leaders of Israel have shown their contempt by breaking their own law. Those who were held or thought they were upheld the law. You, you, the religious leaders, you should hold everything firm. You should do everything by the law. But they have contempt for it. They arrested Jesus. All his disciples have been scattered. He's now brought before Annas. Annas, who was, who I like to call the godfather of the Jewish hierarchy of the religious leaders, all of his sons, five sons and Annas were at one time a high priest. This time, this time of year, Caiaphas, who was his son-in-law, was in that position. Well, concerning what all was to follow and what was happening here at Annas's house, it was illegal. How so? No trial was ever to be permitted at night. None. This was a no-no. No trial was to be held in private. No trial was to be held in a private house. And listen to this. No trial was to be held on a feast day. And what was this day? It was the highest feast day in Israel. It was the Passover the highest of all high holy days. What had they done? What had the 70 done? What had the Sanhedrin done? Well, they'd bribed a traitor. They called false witnesses who couldn't even get their story straight. The bottom line is, 
what had, what had happened here, what the outcome had already been determined before the trial had even begun. And after being taken bound to the high priest Caiaphas under oath, Jesus is asked, are you the son of the most high? Because Jesus until that time said nothing. An oath to the most high. Are you the son of God? His reply, I am. I am. Well, the leaders have what they want. In their eyes, Jesus is blasphemed. I like to think that he hasn't blasphemed. He's just told the truth. He has said that he has made himself equal with God. He's then brought before the Sanhedrin. They ask him, if you are the Christ, tell us. I'm the son of God. Jesus was then brought before the Roman governor, Pilate, accused of being a troublemaker. Bogus charges. All of them bogus. This is what they said. We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar. Wait a second. I thought that Jesus said that give tribute who tribute is due. And saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Jesus is questioned. Pilate finds nothing to charge Jesus with that is deserving of death. He understands. Pilate can see the religious leaders. He can see their jealousy. He can see it in their eyes. He can see it in their actions. So then Pilate, like a good guy, like a good uh, politician does, I'll pass the buck. He sends him over to Herod Antipas. Well, Herod Antipas, who's this guy? He's Rome's puppet leader of Galilee. Because Jesus was from Galilee, well, I'll send him to him. Well, Herod Antipas was happy to see him because I might be able to see him do a trick. He might do a miracle for me. I want to see him. And he asked him many questions. His men asked him many questions. Jesus said nothing. Herod was irritated. He's mistreated. Jesus is mocked. And he's sent back to Pilate. Well, at this time, it came to Pilate's attention that well, he understood the Jews. He was there. He was the governor. He was there for 10 years before he was banished. He understood that the Jews at the Passover let a prisoner go. That was a, it was a tradition. I don't know if they sang with a fiddler on the roof, but it was tradition, tradition. A prisoner is released. And he asked, would you like your king released to you? Now, I think this was probably Pilate's first mistake because he was trying to stick the, the knife in and twist it a little bit to the religious leaders. Would you like your king to be released? Their king, Jesus, or a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. While this is going on, Pilate's wife sends him a message. My words, not the scriptures don't have anything to do with this man. It is going to be trouble. This is leading to no good. Don't have anything to do with him. Let him go. Let him go. Pilate then again calls the religious antagonizers, I mean leaders, 
to him and says, nothing in him is worthy of death. Nothing. I'll know what I'll do. I'll have him beat for you. I'll beat him for you. That, that ought to, that'll be take care of it for you. I'll have him beat and then release him. They're not going to take this, though. No, they're not settling for that. We want his, well, no, that was John the Baptist. They don't want his head on the platter. They want him crucified. They want him crucified. And they begin yelling along with the crowd, crucify him, crucify him. The crowd who had said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Many of them, crucify, crucify. We just sang a song. I heard my voice among the crowd. Pilate has lost control of the situation. It's out of control. He has Jesus scourged, which is a terrible beating, which causes a great loss of blood, great pain, and many people die from it because of loss of blood. And while doing this, the Roman soldiers fashioned a crown of thorns. I've seen these thorns. They're three inches long. They're a bougainvillea on steroids. They wrap a crown and they place it on Jesus' head. Here's your crown, king. And then they take a scepter, a reed, now, every good king needs a scepter, and they give it to him, mocking him. Hail, king of the Jews. Hail, king of the Jews. I mean, this is a hundred men beating on the king of heaven. Hail, king of the Jews. And all along, striking him with that reed, beating the crown of thorns into his head, into his skull, blood coming down. Jesus saying, nothing, nothing. After they're done playing, Pilate again brings Jesus before the crowd and he says again, I find no fault in him. The crowd again screams, crucify, crucify him. A pilot again declares, I find no fault. He has no fault. There's nothing to deserve death. I find no fault. Take him yourself if you want him dead. And the Jews say, we can't. We can't do this ourselves." The gospel writer, John, writes, and I read. They said, we have a law. And according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the son of God. And when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered into his headquarters again and said to Jesus, where, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it was given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. Pilate is unnerved. He is unnerved. 
nerved. He still, though, refuses to give the crowd what, he, what they want until he hears this. They play their trump card. If you release this man, you're not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. Oh, no. And for the last time, the governor brings Jesus before the assembled crowd. And it's written, Behold your king. And this bloody mass is brought before the crowd. They cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate said, shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. Who was Israel's king? It was God Almighty. We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. And they would do just that. The Roman government exercising the death penalty on behalf of the Jewish establishment. Both parties guilty and both parties culpable. Now think with me and understand the irony. Jesus was enthroned on a cross. He was given a crown to wear, not one of gold, but a crown of thorns that caused blood to flow. He would be crucified between two thieves, one on the right, one on his left, just as a king would have two trusted courtiers who would be the second and third most honorable people in his court. Here's your king, here's your men, Jesus. They offered him wine, mockingly, just as a king would be served. They placed a royal robe on his shoulders, which they soon ripped off of him, breaking loose the scabs that had been begun to coagulate. And of course, to show their respect, they spit on him. To the Jewish nation, a crucified Messiah. Idiotic. It's the strongest word I can think of that doesn't use profanity. Idiotic. Cursed is every man who hangs on a tree, it says in Deuteronomy. And yes, Jesus was cursed. He took the curse of sin. To the Gentile, no one would die like this. No one who died like this, a man on a cross, could be worth anything. You can't accomplish anything in this way. But as a commentator has written, instead of proving that Jesus wasn't the Messiah, the cross proved that he was. In Psalm 22, the writer describes crucifixion. Crucifixion wasn't invented until four centuries later. Read Psalm 22 tonight. 
selected passages from Isaiah 52 and 53, which I did not read last, last Sunday, describe the suffering servant. And Isaiah 52, 14, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind, worse than anyone had ever been beaten before. He didn't even look like a man. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as far for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence. And there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressor, transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Behold your king, high and lifted up. Yes, the Jewish religious establishment put Jesus on the cross. Yes, the Roman oppressors put Jesus on the cross. But it was God the Father who ordained it to happen. Hear that. Understand that. It was God that ordained it. How and why? Because his king and his anointed one was performing an act of sacrifice that only he could do which was God being reconciled to sinners. Only the one who had no fault found in him could accomplish what was required. Only a perfect man and only God could do this. It was perfection taking the place of depravity. And we're the ones who are depraved. the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Your king did that for you. He did that for all who would believe in him. Why? That we could become children of God. That is why we call this day good. Even though the most horrific injustice that ever took place happened this day, we call it good. 
Gail and Colette played a song before I spoke, and the words are these. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the glory died, on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God, all the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his heads, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did ever such love and sorrow meet? Or thorns composed so rich a crown? His dying crimson, like a robe, spreads o'er his body on the tree. Then am I dead to all the globe, and all the globe is dead to me. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all because he gave his all.